Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. invite you to stand as we begin today. It's great to see you guys here. In 1 John 4, 16, it says that God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. We're going to sing about his love this morning. The power of his love conquers all. Let's sing. There was between us, by the cross you came and broke them down, you broke them down. And there were chains around us, by your grace we are no longer bound, no longer bound. You called me out of the grave, you called me into the light, you called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is great. Stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Feel the darkness shaking all the day. Back to, back to life, I'm back to life, hear the song awaken, all creation singing, we're alive, cause you're alive, you call me out of the grave, you call me into the light, you call my name and then my heart came alive, your love is greater, your love is stronger. Church. Amen. I hope you're awake this morning. Go ahead and have a seat. So great to be here worshiping with you this morning. Inside of your bulletin is a great connection card. I'm going to invite everyone here in person to take that out. Online, you're going to find a connect link in the chat window. Click on that link, follow the prompts, and that is our online digital card. Now, why do we do this every week? 
It's because we want to get to know you guys, all right? And we want to also be able to meet the needs that you have in your life. We're here as the body of Christ to support and love one another. But the only way we can do that is if we know what each other's needs are. And so would you please take a moment anytime during today's service to fill that out. Write your prayer request on the back of the card. Keep that card up for a little bit later because there's going to be a moment of decision today. We always come to this place to meet with God and to see where we are lining up with God. And the way we do that is by looking into his word. Now, in James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, it talks about God's word being a mirror. Now, how many of you got up this morning and didn't look in the mirror before you left? Anybody? Did you check your hair? All those kind of things. What about your teeth? Maybe you've had an experience like this. Why don't you watch the screens for a moment? Do I have something in my teeth? (laughs) So, do I have something in my teeth? You ever had that moment where you had broccoli in your teeth and you've been talking to somebody and you go to the bathroom and you look and you're like, oh man, there was something in my teeth that whole time. How embarrassing, right? Well, spiritually, we can do that same thing. When we look into God's word, we can see where there's something in our life that's not quite lining up with what we should be doing with God. And so, being fully... or leaning fully on God's word, I'm, I'm losing what my train of thought here. Fully devoted, that's the word I'm looking for. To be fully devoted, we have to develop a lifestyle by looking into God's word and, and seeing uh, how we're lining up with that. So I'm going to have us watch one more video together this morning as we think about God's word and what it means to do that. Let's watch. The most repeated question by Jesus during his ministry was this. Have you never read? Have you never read? Underneath that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the Word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is a rock, strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure, beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword, dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer, crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first the last and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God. I love that phrase about we don't read the Bible, but it reads us. And that's what when we look into God's Word that we we reflect or we're reflecting what He has Uh, said to us. And so we just read it and then go away and forget. That's what that Bible verse talks about by looking in the mirror and then we walk away and we forget what we looked like, all right, or what we needed to fix. So we want to look into God's word and we want to walk in obedience. And so stand with me as we sing a song that kind of reminds us of that this morning, that we will say, yes, I will. And so specifically to what we've talked about this morning with these videos and talking about God's word, will you answer that call this morning? And as we do that, the things in our lives kind of uh, pale in comparison to God's love. So let's worship him as we sing this song, reminding ourselves of that today. Yes, I will say yes to you, Lord, this morning. I count on one 
thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I will lift you high same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Come on. Yes, I will lift you high in the Lord's valley. Yes, I will bless your name. testimony today. Will you say yes to him? As we've sang this morning and reminded ourselves of the power of Jesus' name, nothing can stand against his name. Nothing can stand when we bring it to him. So would you let him calm the storms in your life today? Sing with me. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus Call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. 
Jesus, come on, sing it again with us. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. Before we go to this next song, I just want us to take a moment, just bow our heads, think of this darkness that surrounds us, the things in our hearts and lives that cause us fear. The Bible reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of self-control, of peace. Do you need that in your life today? Do you need him to calm the storms? that are causing your eyes not to focus on him. We're in this place, in this moment today, whether we're in our homes, our cars, or in this building. And I don't want us just to rush through those moments because Jesus is here. His hand is reaching out to you this morning. If you're struggling and you're walking and those waves are lapping over you, would you just reach up to him, reach out, grab his hand here this morning because we've been reminded that there is power in the name of Jesus. He is our Prince of Peace. He's our wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. And he wants to meet those needs in your life and in your heart today. Would you just call out to him today? Jesus, I need you.
with me this morning. Jesus, 
We thank you for the power that there is in your name and that nothing can stand against as we've sang and declared in this place today. God, you reign. So we're so grateful this morning for that. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the power that there is when we pray it, when we speak it, when we hear it, Lord, and when we allow it to change our hearts and lives. God, in this moment, as we come now to hearing your word, I pray that as hearts have been stirred this morning, God, that we would give you those things that we just a moment reflected on, the things that, Lord, uh, that we take and reach out our hand today, God, and we give those things to you. Lord, would fears be conquered today? Would people's hearts be empowered as they come into your presence, Lord, now? And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, worship team. And welcome. If this is your very first Sunday with us, either online or here in person, we're so glad that you're here as we continue our series, Fully Devoted. And if this is your very first time, let me just kind of catch you up to speed. Let me tell you what we're doing and why we're doing it. The last three weeks, we've been looking at what it means to be fully devoted to God. And the reason we've been doing this, and there's a number of reasons, but the primary reason we've been doing this is because I believe, and I think many of you would agree with me, that there is a lot of misunderstanding about what it means and what it looks like to be fully devoted to God. And in fact, in this day and age that we live in, in light of the song that we just sang, I really do believe not only is it a lot of misunderstanding surrounding the idea of being fully devoted to God, but many, many people really question rather whether the average person, you know, the man and woman in the pew, the, the man and woman is not a super saint, can actually live a fully devoted life. And so what I want to do today is I want to focus on what it does and it doesn't mean to be fully devoted to God. And then I want to share with you the steps that we can take, strategic, intentional, doable steps that you and I can take to be fully devoted to God. So let's just get started. If you haven't already, take out your outline. Let's just begin by looking at what does it mean to be fully devoted by God by answering this question, what does full devotion of God not mean? And here's the very first thing full devotion to God does not mean. And it does not mean that you and I live on a spiritual or emotional mountaintop. It means we don't live on a spiritual or emotional mountaintop. And here's the reason I say that, because a basic fact of human existence is this, that your life and mine is made up of highs and lows, ups and downs, mountaintops and valleys. And so being fully devoted to God does not mean that we are somehow exempt from experiencing those lows. In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, if you look at the life of Paul, if you look at the life of almost any great saint, man or woman of God, what you see is, in fact, they experience both extremes in the extreme. In other words, you see Jesus on the Mount of Mount Transfiguration, and you see him on the Mount of the Crucifixion. We see Paul being able to see and behold Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and we see Paul dying for his faith in Christ. The reality is that even in the Christian life, even the fully devoted life, we experience both extremes. In fact, we experience the lows. Here's what a fully devoted life means. It means that we experience an increasing, deepening relationship with God in the midst of the ups and the downs, in the midst of the highs and the lows. And here's why. Because we, in that relationship, understand our relationship with God is built on something more stable and more substantial than our feelings. And that something is the character and the promises in the person of God. So even in the highs, even in the lows, we continue to experience this ever-growing and deepening relationship with God. So that's the first thing full devotion doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we live on an emotional or spiritual mountaintop. Here's the second thing it doesn't mean. That our feelings determine our actions. That our feelings determine our actions. And and we need to remember that. And the reason I share that is because we often make this mistake of assuming that if we could just be deeply enough, have a deep enough passion or a deep enough feeling about a relationship with God, then we'd automatically be devoted to God. But I want to suggest to you that thinking is fundamentally flawed. And the reason it's fundamentally flawed is because of this principle. And this principle, I want you to know, is a principle of life. And here it is. That we do not feel ourselves into an action. We act ourselves into a feeling. 
Let me say that again. We do not feel ourselves into an action. We act ourselves into a feeling. Let me illustrate it like this, and I think you will get what I'm talking about. The reality is that I have observed that many, many marriages are destroyed. They fall apart because they start out with feelings of romance and physical attraction, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a natural part of any relationship, even a marriage relationship. But here's what you know if you've been married more than about a month. The feelings of physical attraction and the feelings of romance eventually meet reality, right? In other words, the feelings of physical attraction are buffed and beautiful. The reality is belly fat and body odor. Okay, folks, romance are lingering kisses. Reality is morning breath. And the reality is when reality and those things meet, what we make the mistake, especially in our culture of doing, is assuming that the solution is to chase those feelings, to chase the romance to somehow, you know, get back to that physical attraction. But folks, if you've been married for a number of years like I have, and most of you have, then you realize that's not the way to build a deep, meaningful marriage. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not how you build a deep, meaningful marriage. Because we don't feel our way into an action. We act our way into a feeling. And for that reason, the reality of actions of love generate deeper feelings of love and even attraction emotionally and spiritually than physical attraction and romance on their own alone ever can. Would you agree with that? We understand how relationships are built. I heard about a man who was so filled with disdain with his, about his marriage and about his wife that he literally could not stand either of them. And so he was bound and determined to file for a divorce, but before, he, but before he did, he was so full of disdain that he literally went looking for a counselor. And the reason he went to a counselor wasn't to fix the marriage. It was to find and get guidance on how he could divorce his wife in the most painful way possible. Now, the counselor was obviously not going to have any part of that kind of emotional terrorism. So he employed a little bit reverse psychology. He says, I, I tell you what you do. You go home, and you do your very best, your absolute best, to please your wife in everything. He said, I want you to act like you love her. I want you to act like you're committed to her. And then after two months of doing that, I want you to pack your bags and leave. It will devastate her. Well, the man, full of disdain and hate for his wife, said, you know what? I like that idea. And so he went home, and that's what he began to do. He, he began to... to bring his wife breakfast in bed. He began to plan and take her on romantic dates. He'd send her flowers at work. He'd call her at work and check in on her during the day. He even, and this was the one I knew he was serious about, he even canceled elk hunt out west to take her on a cruise instead. Well, the two months passed, and, and the counselor called the man. He said, so how's it going? Are you a bachelor again? The man said, I don't know how to explain it. I'm happier than I've ever been before. He says, I don't know how to tell you this, but I could not imagine ever leaving my wife. Then he said this, it's a miracle. Folks, it wasn't a miracle. As much it was the fact that the man began to act in loving ways, and guess what? He began to experience loving feelings. And folks, that's true for every one of our relationships, even our relationship with God. And so it's not so much that we feel ourselves into full devotion with God or that we become passionate enough that we have full devotion to God. No, what it is, we begin to act in ways that are full devotion to God. Guess what happens? We experience full devotion to God. And so let's just kind of recap. So if full devotion to God is not living on an emotional or spiritual high, nor is it you and I, you know, feeling our way into commitment or devotion then what is it? Well, the reality is, full devotion to God actually means this. We develop a heart for God. We develop a heart for God. Now, I want you to hold on for that second, because what I want us to do now for the rest of our time together is to help us see what full devotion to God looks like and the steps we need to take to get there, because remember, it's an action, not a feeling, and to help us do this, what I want us to do, and it's there in your outline, but you can follow along your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to the book of 2 Kings. 
2 Kings, as many of you know, most of you know, you may not know, is simply the historical record of all the kings that ruled over Israel and Judah. And what we see in 2 Kings specifically is a reoccurring theme. And I don't have a blank for you, you might want to write it down, but here's the theme. The theme goes, and I'm, I'm making this up myself, but this is what you see. The theme is to develop a heart for God, our heart must be turned toward God. I'll say it to you again. The theme is to develop a heart for God, our heart needs to be turned toward God. And we see this theme over and over and over again throughout the Bible, particularly in the book of 1st and 2nd Kings. And here's the interesting thing. Of all the men who ruled over the kingdoms of Judah and Israel, because after Solomon, the, the kingdom was divided, and it became two kingdoms, the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. But in all those years, the man who most exemplified and clearly demonstrated a heart turned toward God was a man, a king, by the name of Josiah. And what's exceptional about that is the fact that Josiah was just a boy when he became king. He literally was eight years old when he was crowned king of Judah. But even at that young age, Josiah recognized something significant about his people, about the nation. And what he recognized was this, that their heart was turned away from God. It wasn't turned toward God. And so even as a young man, he set in motion reforms, plans and actions to literally change the direction and the condition, the spiritual condition of the nation. And the first thing he did, he was 20 years old, and he decreed that the high places, remember when we talked about that three weeks ago, and the false gods and the idols would be removed from Jerusalem and from Judah. That they would be completely and totally destroyed and removed. That's what he did when he was 20. And then 26, he, he issued another decree. And this decree was that the temple would be repaired. Because the people had drifted so far from God that the temple literally was being ignored. It, was, it had fallen into complete disrepair. And so at 26 years of age, he decreed and declared that the temple was to be fixed in light of the neglect of the previous kings and the previous people. Now in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23, you read about this, and here's what you read if you're following along in your Bible. What you discover, I'll bring this into the text in just a moment. What happens is as they're making these repairs, a discovery was made. An amazing discovery. A disturbing discovery. Because what was discovered during this repair was the book of the law. In other words, the Bible, or at least a portion of it. And you understand what that's saying. They said literally, during this time, God's word was completely lost to the people, completely lost to the nation. But in this repair, they discovered a copy or a portion of a copy of the book of the law. And so we're told it was taken to the king and read in his presence. And when Josiah, 26, 27 years of age, hears this, he was completely distraught. He was torn to pieces. Because hearing what he heard from the word of the Lord, the book of the law, he recognized that he and the nation had completely turned their collective heart away from God. And so I want you to, we want to pick up the story there, and I want you to hear what happened next. It's there on your outline. But beginning, we read, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. In other words, his kingdom. And he went to the temple to the, of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and just so we get it, all the people from the least to the greatest. Everyone was there. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, regulations, and decree with all his heart and with all his soul thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And then I want you to notice in chapter 23, verse 25, we read this, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Now, in those two passages, folks, two things are made abundantly clear to us. First, that Josiah deliberately, intentionally chose to turn his heart toward God. The other thing that's made clear in that passage and in the passage, you know, ch chapters 22 and 23, is how he did it, the steps that he took. 
And what I want to do is I just want to unpack those steps. And here's why, because I'm going to share them with you. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. They're very simple steps to understand. But in that simplicity, the mistake we can make and many of us make, often make is we confuse simplicity with simplistic. And so we underestimate their importance. We underestimate how essential these things are to us being fully devoted to God. So I want to share these with you. And as I, we do, I just want to encourage you, don't take them for granted. Don't underestimate their power and their significance in your life and mind if we want to be fully devoted to God. So let me give you the first one. The first step Josiah took and we need to take to develop a heart for God is we must recover God's Word. We must recover God's word. For, take a look at the next verse there in Alley. Here's what we read. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. And then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. So in light of that passage, here's what I want to say and ask you today. And I want all of us to answer it. In light of that passage, in light of what we're looking at, recovering God's Word, where is God's Word in your life today? Where is God's Word in your life today? And I don't mean spatially. You know, it's back home on the nightstand. It's on my computer. It's on my iPhone. No, I'm not asking you spatially where is God's Word in your life. I'm asking you functionally, relationally, where is the Word of God in your life today? Folks, the reality is... If it's missing, we need to find it. Because just like Josiah, just like the people, the reality is God's Word can go missing from our life. He can lose a place of prominence or any place like it was for Josiah in that day, any place at all in our lives. And so if it's lost, it needs to be found. If it's misplaced, we need to rediscover it. And it, if it's literally been misplaced, then I want to encourage you, or if you've never had a copy of God's Word, to take a copy of the Bible in front of you. Or if you're online today watching, go into the chat box and just ask for a free copy of God's Word because we want you to have a copy of God's Word. We need to discover it and rediscover it for ourselves. But having said that, we need to understand that discovering or recovering God's Word in life isn't enough. Because I want you to notice that after they found God's Word in the temple, the next thing that happened was this. We're told Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And so the second step we need to take is to receive God's Word. We need to receive God's Word because having God's Word is not enough. We have to listen to what it has to say to us. Because just like Josiah and his people, we can think that we're living fully devoted lives to God, and yet even in the midst of that, be living lives that are totally out of step with God if we're spending little or no time in God's Word. And just out of curiosity, as I began to think about that, I, I just got online and then I just, I just Googled. I said, how much time does the average Christian spend in God's Word in a week? And had many things popped up, but I had one research study from Lifeway Research that said the average Christian, I had to do the math because they broke it down a little bit more than I'm going to, but they basically said that the average Christian, or excuse me, 40% of Christians, not quite half, spend less than one time a week in God's Word. The average churchgoer, 40% of the people spend less than one, one event, one time in God's Word a week. Now, if that's true, then folks, the reality is 40% of the church, churchgoers, really do not understand God's will for our lives. Because the primary way that God reveals His will for us is in His Word. And so if we're spending little or no time in it, it stands to reason that we have very little understanding like Josiah and his people exactly what God asks of us, exactly what God expects of us, exactly what God wants to do in us and through us and for us. And so, folks, the second step, not only after we simply discover it or recover it, we need to read it, but there's one last step we need to take, like Josiah if we truly want to develop a heart for God, and that is we must respond to God's Word. We need to respond to God's Word. 
Because obedience to God's word is at the very heart of you and I being fully devoted followers of God. Which is why we read this. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people. I have heard you, declares the Lord. And so that's the reason in 2 Kings 23-25 we read this, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. And the reason for that is because Josiah didn't just hear the word of the Lord, he didn't just receive the word of the Lord, he obeyed the word of the Lord. Heard about a man who was struggling spiritually. He's just kind of stale and stuck and just felt like there's got to be more, there needs to be more. And so he set an appointment with his pastor. And the first thing his pastor asked him in that conversation after he told him why he was there and what he was struggling with, the pastor asked him, so tell me, what are you doing? What actions are you taking to deepen and develop and nurture your relationship with God? And the man, almost without hesitating, proudly said, and rightfully so, he said, you know, I have read through the Bible three times already this year. And the pastor applauded that. And I would say the pastor should applaud that in light of the statistic I just shared with you. But then the pastor asked this, but how many times has God's word gone through you? How many times, as we saw in the video, has God's word read you? And that really is a question, isn't it, folks? Because being fully devoted to God involves far more than you and I just simply having God's Word or even reading God's Word. Ultimately, it involves you and I. We must obey God's Word. And yet the reality is we struggle with that. Even as professing followers of Jesus. I mean, let's just think about it. We, we, we read in God's Word. He says... Bless and do not curse. And yet we can struggle to do that, can't we? Care for the widows and orphans. And yet we look at our finances and we can struggle to do that. See, what I'm trying to get at, folks, is is obedience is at the very heart of being fully devoted to God, yet the reality is we can so often be tempted to sidestep obedience to God. And so let me share with you, kind of as a preemptive strike, let me share with you three ways all of us can be tempted to sidestep obedience to God. And here's the first one. By claiming exemption from what we read. By claiming exemption. Here's what I mean by that. It means we read the Word of God and we see how it applies to most people in most places. In fact, we might even say we see how it applies to everyone else in every other place, in every other situation. But somehow we say it doesn't apply to me and my situation. Let's go back to what I said. So we know that God says we have to forgive. We ought to forgive like we have been forgiven. But then we deal with a situation where someone has deeply hurt us and we say, yeah, but I'm sure God didn't mean that in this situation. Not in this problem. Not in this case. That's the first way, folks, we we claim exemption. The second way we, we sidestep obedience to God's word is by picking and choosing what we will obey. And let me give you a mental image of what this looks like, folks. In other words, what we really do with God's Word is we treat it like a buffet line. Now, I like buffets. It's one of the things that excited me about coming to Lancaster County. But the reality is, what do we do in a buffet? Do we put the food we don't like on our plate in a buffet? Maybe you do. I don't. Now, through a buffet line, what we do is we put the stuff we like on our plate and we leave everything else at the counter, Right? And folks, we could do the same thing with God's Word. I mean, the temptation could be we could load up our our, our spiritual plate with comforting words and encouraging principles, but skip over the, the real convicting and the real challenging portions of God's Word. Because after all, those things really mess with our life. They mess with our priorities. They mess with our schedule. They mess with our finances. And so we can pile on our plate the things that are encouraging, the words that are comforting, and yet completely sidestep a big portion of God's Word, the convicting, challenging portions, because it messes with us. And the real problem with that for all of us is that we can tell ourselves and often do, well, I'm reading God's Word, and I'm receiving what it has to say, 
So I'm, God has my heart, but the truth is he really doesn't. At least not all of it, right? Because there's portions of God's word that we're just conveniently sidestepping. Well, the final way that you and I could sidestep obedience to God's word is evaluating the Bible instead of letting it evaluate us. In other words, instead of coming under the judgment and evaluation of God's word, we stand in judgment and evaluation of God's word to say, it doesn't make sense to me. Certainly, that isn't what it means. And so what we need to understand here, folks, at this point, we're not just simply saying it doesn't apply and claim an exemption, and we're not, we're not simply picking and choosing what we will or will not obey. No, we go all the way here. And we make God's Word mean what we want it to mean. The phrase you've often heard associated with that, and I have too, is the phrase proof texting. Because the reality is if we take a text or a statement from the Bible out of context, we can get it to say about whatever we want it to say. But the reality is, folks, all we're doing is sidestepping obedience to God's word. And folks, the reality is we've all been tempted to do that. I mean, haven't we all been tempted to, to read God's word, to understand God's word, to apply God's word in light of our own biases, our own preferences, our own fear? We've all been tempted to do it. But having said that, let me say this, because it's absolutely essentially here to me. Yes, I acknowledge there are portions of God's word that are difficult to understand because to understand them properly, we need to understand cultures and people and, 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 and environments and times that are foreign to us. And yes, there are also portions of God's Word that, that committed Christians may have a slightly different take on. But folks, when it comes to the essential truth of the faith, and what I mean by the essential truth is the deity of Jesus, the authority of God's Word, the inspiration of God's Word, that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When it comes to the essential truths of God's Word, there's little room for confusion. God saw to that. And that's why Mark Twain one time quipped, and I love this statement, he says, it's not the parts of God's Word that I don't understand that trouble me. It's the parts that I do understand that trouble me the most. And we all get that, don't we? Because it's the parts that we understand, like bless and do not curse. Give and it will be given. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. We understand that. And so it messes with us. It challenges us. So folks, here, here, here it is in a nutshell. To develop a heart for God is pretty straightforward. It really is. What it involves, the actions we need to take, is when we read a passage of God's Word, every passage of God's Word we read, we ask ourselves these questions. What attitude do I need to change? What behaviors do I need to start or stop doing? What beliefs do I need to embrace or abandon? What biases do I need to give up and maybe confess and repent of? What relationships do I need to let go or grow? Bottom line, we ask ourselves with every passage of God's Word we read is simply, where do I need to bring my life in line and under the authority of God's Word? Because folks, developing heart for God is simply living our lives in light of God's Word. Josiah demonstrated that to us. He showed us that a heart for God is simply the byproduct of letting our life be shaped by God's Word. And that's why, and you'll, we've all recognized it, most of us are familiar with it. That's why Jesus told the disciples when He was teaching about the Holy Spirit, and we've been looking at that in John 14, He said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, or is it there on your island? If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. Or as He said later on in verse 23 of the same chapter, anyone who loves me, will obey my teachings. And so folks, the idea of being fully devoted God is for you and I to bring our lives under the authority and leadership of God's word. Let's bow our heads for prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna ask you, how is your heart toward God today? Is it lukewarm? What I mean by that is there, is there ever been a time in your life 
when you felt more devoted to God than you do right now? Has there ever been a time when you felt more connected, more fully invested than you do right now? If so, we need to ask ourselves why. Because the truth of God's Word is this, that we can be as close to God as we choose to be. And so in light of that, I just want to invite us, as the Spirit leads us, to perhaps pray something like this today. Just begin to say, God, thank you for being passionate about having a relationship with me even when I can so easily be distracted by so many other things in my life. Would you say, God, I want to deepen my relationship with you. I truly do want to have a heart for you. And so today, right now, I'm asking you to help me recover. Or perhaps if you're just on the front end of this journey, just exploring your faith, you might want to say, God, help me discover your word. And then help me to receive it. To receive it with an open mind and a humble heart. So whatever you have to say to me, no matter how difficult or challenging or convicting it is, God, I hear it. And I receive it. And then would you say, Father, help me to respond to your word by letting my life be shaped in response to what it tells me about my attitudes and about my actions, about my priorities and about my passions, about my relationships in my pastimes, about the people I invite into my life and the people perhaps I need to invite at least maybe for a season out of my life. I'm going to give you some time to pray that in your own words. Just say, God, I want to have a deep and developing relationship with you. I want to have a heart for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us through the example of Josiah what we need to do to develop a heart for you. Because more than anything else, Father, I believe that we're here today because we do want to be fully devoted to you. We want our lives to glorify you. We want our lives to serve you. And so help us to not simply recover or discover your word. Help us to not just simply read your word and study it, but help us to obey it. Help us to implement it. Help us to bring our lives under the authority of your word so that we can be men and women who are fully devoted to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first Bible verses I remember memorizing was Psalm 119.11. It says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And that's the King James Version. So, But in modern day English, it's talking about memorizing God's word so that when we come to those moments uh, where we have a crisis or a crossroad, um, then God can recall those things that we have placed in our mind as we've read his word to do battle, right? And so, um, and so the way you do that is by developing those skills, developing those things, making it a priority. And I know last week we talked about some New Year's resolutions, and here we are in the second month of the year, but I'm going to keep reminding us. But maybe that could be still one of your New Year's resolutions is to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And one way of doing that is by taking the time to spend in God's word. Maybe today your heart has been stirred as you've heard this message 
And, um, but you don't know where to start. Would you take out that gray card that I talked about in the beginning of the service? On the back there, um, in that comment section, if you want us to pray with you about that or to help you find some, some, uh, some devotionals, some things that can help you in that daily walk, we've got things here out in the kiosk. We've got materials that we can give to you uh, that can help you. And um, online, you can do that same exact thing this morning there. Click on the, the link that's in the chat window there and um, make that connection today. Let's make the commitment to walk with Jesus, to develop this skill in our life, to have um, that arsenal, so to speak, of when we face those crisis moments that we can have God's word to call to our mind to help us to remember. You know, there's a great tool nowadays that we have that we didn't have not many, many years ago, but you can, when God gives you just one snippet of his word, you don't have to remember the whole thing because I'm terrible at memorization, I'm just going to be honest with you, but he calls some little part of that verse and I'm like, oh, yes, what is that verse? And I look it up and I'm like, thank you, Lord. So you can do that as well. And um, so I encourage you to do that. Put that on the card. Place it in the box as you leave this morning. Click that, that link in the chat window and send it on its way by submitting that today. Um, you can also thank you so much for being here and your attention. If you would like to give today, um, your generosity is always um, appreciated and is, is part of our worship. And you can do that in person today. There's envelopes at the back of the room. You can also do, th- do that through our website. There's also going to be the give link in the chat window this, uh, this morning. But that's just a way of worshiping God and also helping to spread the gospel and let other people know about the good news of Jesus. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I look forward to doing that again with you next week, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.